Please turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 to 15. John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Unless, unless, that is a powerful word. Cassandra and I find ourselves use that word unless with our boys at home a lot. Unless you eat your veggies, you are not going to get ice cream for dessert. Usually that means our boys, especially our oldest Simon, will scarf down the veggies because the thought of ice cream is just too appealing. Maybe you who are parents find yourselves using that word. Unless you finish your homework, there's no going out with your friends. Or unless you clean, no watching TV. Often we think about it in the terms of um, unless you do this, you don't get that. Only if you do this good thing can you get that. Only if you do this good work will you be able to get the reward. But if you don't do this good thing, you do not get the reward. But in our passage this morning, we see a different kind of unless from Jesus. The unless is there, and it's strong. There's no loopholes around it, but it's a different kind of unless. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Truly, truly, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter 
the kingdom of God. What Jesus is saying here is radically different. Jesus isn't saying unless you get better, work harder, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. But rather, Jesus is saying is unless God makes you new, you will not be with God forever. In our passage, we get introduced to a person, Nicodemus, that was perfect on the outside. He worked really hard to do everything right. And there's parts of his story that we can relate to. Maybe for some of us, that was us before Christ. We were trying to bring our good deeds before God, to bring our accolades, our accomplishments. Perhaps that's, that's still our struggle, thinking we can earn favor with God to improve our standing with God by the good things that we do. But Jesus is telling us this morning that it's not about making ourselves look better, but about God making us brand new. Look with me again to John, verses, uh, John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Here in those first few verses, we get introduced to Nicodemus, and we get a few details about him that gives us some really good insight into who he is. First of all, we find out that he's a Pharisee. We are, we're fairly familiar with the Pharisees through the encounters of the Pharisees with Jesus throughout the Gospels. And usually they're not very pleasant encounters. Throughout the Gospels, we see how the Pharisees opposed God, opposed Jesus. But this encounter that in our passage is, is much more pleasant. The Pharisees were a group of about 6,000 men who were scribes, and they were very serious about keeping God's law. There were 613 commandments that God gave Israel, and the Pharisees committed themselves to following every single one. Uh, Carter and and Redberg, in their commentary, lay out that um, when someone became a Pharisee, they took a pledge in front of three witnesses that they were going to follow the law for the rest of their lives. That's pretty intense. Talk about pressure. Imagine the feeling of having the pressure of having to to live out hundreds of commands perfectly throughout the rest of your life and having people watching you, making sure you are following these just right. I can just imagine people standing there with clipboards, checking off, yep, okay, good. I don't know, okay, here we go. This guy was serious about following God's commands. He would have memorized large parts of the Bible. He would have known all those commands by heart. He would have dressed the part, looked the part. He followed the rules. He didn't lie. He didn't steal. On top of being a Pharisee, we also see that he was a ruler of the Jews, which most people believe that this meant he was a part of the Sanhedrin which was a group of of 70 men led by the high priest who were the the governing body of the nation. So they were priests, scribes, lay elders who came from these really influential families who led their people. 
So not only did Nicodemus have the zeal to follow the law, not only was he just very morally upstanding, but he was also a powerful guy. He had this big position of power. This was the man who came to see Jesus. We see that he came to see Jesus at night. Maybe because he didn't want to be seen by his fellow Pharisees. But he comes to Jesus, says rabbi, which is a, a word of respect, and pays a compliment to Jesus. We know that you are a teacher who comes from God, Jesus, because no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. He heard of Jesus' teachings. He heard of everything that Jesus had done. He wanted to see this Jesus for himself. He didn't even really get to be able to ask Jesus any questions or make any big statements. All he's able to do is make this compliment towards Jesus and then without responding to, to Nicodemus' comment, Jesus says something that is very disruptive to Nicodemus' way of life. Look at verses three and four with me again. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So here we get the first of three truly, trulys in our passage this morning. If you remember last week when, when Pastor Kevin introed our new summer series, he mentioned that the, the truly, trulys in John, um, with, with these truly, trulys, Jesus was adding emphasis. He was underlining his statements, asserting that the statement he's about to say is absolutely true. It holds the utmost truth. And that's the case for our passage this morning. This is something that Jesus did not want Nicodemus to miss. And something we can't miss either. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And here also we get the first instance of an unless statement that Jesus gives. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And this statement would have been extremely disruptive to Nicodemus. Because Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, look, you are not good enough. Your credentials are not good enough. It's hard to hear that we are not good enough. We don't like hearing that. When I was in, in high school, I was very serious about soccer. I had grown up playing soccer my whole life. I had made all the teams, made all the rep teams, the high school teams. I worked really hard at it. I loved it. My, I even went to a high school that had a sports program, and we had our own soccer program with our own dome that had our own indoor turf soccer field. Okay, I was, and I got to play it almost, almost every Tell me, Nick, you are good. You should play for university. I had even had one player that played for a college in the States tell me, Nick, you should try out for this, this team that I was at. So he got connected with the coach, and I was able to go do a road trip to the States for this weekend to try out for this tournament. And after a couple pretty intense days of, of tryouts, 
the coach brought me into his office and said, Nick, you're not good enough. You did not get a spot on the team. And that was hard. I've been playing my whole life. People told me I could do this, that I was good enough. But I wasn't. Imagine a a CEO of a million-dollar company who's going to work at his huge downtown high-rise. He's passing security on his way in, holds up his his credentials card, expecting the, the security to just check it and go on in, but denied. Wait a second, try, try that again. Denied. Jesus is telling Nicodemus, look, your, your religious credentials are not good enough. You memorizing the, the 613 laws, even creating new laws to be able to follow those laws perfectly, that's not good enough. You pledging in front of three witnesses that you are going to follow these laws perfectly, that's not good enough. You being a part of the Sanhedrin, you being morally upstanding, following the rules so well, you being a, the best member of society, that is not good enough. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. This would have been life-altering for Nicodemus to hear. For him, he expected to see the kingdom of God. He fully expected to see the kingdom of God. He was eagerly awaiting it. He would have believed that, that God's kingdom was an age to come where he would experience resurrection, where he would be with God forever. He was waiting for this. Because he was a Jew, because he followed the law, he, he was a shoe in for God's kingdom. But now he's hearing from Jesus that, that being a Jew, being a Pharisee, does not actually give him access to God's kingdom. He needed to be born again. He needs new birth. Like with Nicodemus before we are born again, it can be really tempting to think that we can earn our way into God's kingdom by being good moral people. Many different religions and belief systems around the world are all about earning our way to God by by doing good things, by following God's commands, by being faithful to your religious system, or being extremely devoted. Even if we have a background of Christianity, if we grew up in a Christian home, even if if we go to church, until we are born again, we are looking to ourselves. We're looking to ourselves to find our way. We do things that we do because we think it makes us look good in front of other people, because we feel good about ourselves, because the systems of morality that we've created um, fit in because we want to look to ourselves. We think, I can go to church, I can read my Bible, I can have a nice family, I must be doing well in God's books. I dress well, I must be, I definitely dress better than a lot of people out there that's for sure but like with Nicodemus that's not good enough according to Jesus we can flash our CEO credentials of morality all we want but that's not good enough we can't enter into God's kingdom we can't have everlasting life 
with God by looking to ourselves, by trying to earn favor with God. Unless we are born again, we cannot enter into God's kingdom. Nicodemus would have been really rattled here. Okay, his, his identity is being challenged. His whole way of life is being challenged. He's also pretty confused. He's having a hard time reconciling what Jesus is saying with, with what he's always known to be true. He answers Jesus in verse 4. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? He is thinking very, very literally here. He's thinking about literal birth. Perhaps he was, he was married and, had, and was thinking about his, his wife giving birth. There's no way someone can hop back into their, mother, into their mother's womb. He's also very much thinking physical birth because to him, it was a really big deal that he was born a Jew. Because he was physically born a Jew, he was set. He was going to enter into God's kingdom. He thought he had the right credentials. But Jesus is saying, this is not a physical birth that I'm talking about. It's not about litter being born again from, from your mother's womb. It isn't because you were born a Jew that you can enter into God's kingdom. This is a spiritual birth that I am talking about. You need to be born again spiritually. Another way to translate the words born again is to say born from above. Nicodemus, you need new life that comes from above. New life that comes from God. You need to be reborn spiritually and unless you are reborn, unless you receive this new spiritual birth, you being born a Jew is not going to cut it. After Nicodemus is confused, Jesus replies with another truly, truly statement in verse 5. Look there with me. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is again getting at his point that this is not about a physical birth, but it's a spiritual birth. The word water makes us think of, of cleansing, right? cleansing from our sin, cleansing from our old life. And the word spirit is getting to, across to us that this is a spiritual birth. This isn't something that Jesus brings out of nowhere. This is something we see all the way back in the Old Testament in Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. I'll read that for us. God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. Remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. When Jesus is talking with Nicodemus, this is what the, the prophet Ezekiel was prophesying about. 
that one day God is going to sprinkle clean water so that his people would be cleansed from their uncleanness. God will give people a new heart. At the heart of stone that people have, God will turn into a heart of flesh. God says, I will put my spirit in you. All of this, Nicodemus, needs to happen to you. Because right now, you have a heart of stone. Even with you being born a Jew, even with you being a Pharisee, part of the Sanhedrin, even though you look so good on the outside, your heart is like stone. You are far from God. That's the same for us unless we have been born again. Unless we are born again, unless God gives us a heart of flesh, we are far from God. Looking to ourselves, all of our doing our, our own thing, our own way, to earn God's favor, to earn favor with others, has led us, has led us to have a heart of stone. A heart that's hardened to the truth of salvation through Jesus. The pressure of looking good, the pressure of acting good has left us empty. Unless we are born again, we are going to continue to go our way, but it's not the way that leads to life. But through this story in this passage, Jesus is telling us, look, I don't want you to just be about looking good on the outside. I want you to be brand new. I want to give you new life. Jesus wants you to have new life today. He wants to give you the freedom from the chains and the pressure of looking to ourselves, of trying to earn our own way. The pressure is exhausting. The way is empty. Jesus wanted that for Nicodemus, but he's still, Nicodemus isn't still quite getting it. It's a lot to take in. Jesus is disrupting his whole worldview, his upbringing. He doesn't want to give up on the fact that what he's strived for his whole life isn't actually going to get him into God's kingdom. And he asks, how can these things be? How can these things be? That's the kind of question that we ask when we are overwhelmed. When the truth that we're confronted with just isn't matching up with what we know and we just, we just don't understand. Maybe you're being confronted with that truth this morning. You've been doing your things your own way a long time. Perhaps you've been trying to look the part, act the part, thinking it gives you approval from God. Maybe you're just more interested in, in the approval from others and it's continued to, to cause you to look to your own ways, to find your own happiness. But perhaps God is confronting you with this truth this morning that if you look to yourself, do things your own way, your heart is actually far from God. But unless you were born again, your way isn't good enough. Maybe you've started to feel that a little bit. You have felt that pressure. It's leaving you empty. Don't keep trying over and over, but turn to this new life that Jesus is offering us. But how can these things be? How can these things be? When it comes to this new life, this rebirth, how can these things be? What does it look like 
to be born again. Like Nicodemus, we are coming to Jesus and, and maybe God is softening our hearts. And we are asking this, like, what does this new birth look like? Well, we see first of all that this is a work of God. Look at verses 7 and 8 with me. Jesus says, do not marvel at what I said to you. You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. We see that this is a work of God. Jesus gets across this point to us in verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. This spiritual new birth is something that God gives to whom he wishes. Like we saw in that Ezekiel passage, we see the initiative of God in this new birth. Right? God says, I will sprinkle water on you. I will give you a new heart. A new spirit I will put within you. New birth is only possible if God, in his grace, gives it to you. It's not because of anything we can do. When we are saved and we are given this new life, it is a gift of grace, not the result of work. One may boast. It's a gift from God. We can't earn it. It's not about what family we are born into. It's not about what we do on Sundays. It's not about what we wear. It's a gift of God. God is the, the instigator of this new life. If you are saved by Christ, you have been born again. That means God, in his grace, has reached down and saved you and given you this heart of flesh. The Spirit of God blew where he wished, and he desired to save you. And that is something we can be grateful for, thankful for. We can thank God for saving us through Christ. We can reflect daily on the fact that we've been given this new life. Thankful that we don't need to follow every rule perfectly in order to have fellowship with God. God isn't walking around with a clipboard thinking, hmm, okay, exceeds expectations, or uh, satisfactory, or needs improvement. But God has given us this new spiritual birth. God looks at us and sees Christ. God looks at us and sees our sins as forgiven, the price being paid. Let's live every day in the grace of the gospel. Cassandra is a big uh, fan of the book Risen Motherhood, um, which talks about bringing the gospel to everyday life in, in motherhood. And it encourages a perspective switch when it comes to everyday life. Cassandra shared with me an example of, of this, this switch of perspective. You are a mother and, and, and you are staring at another huge pile of laundry. And if it's the same for you as in my house, there's always, always more laundry. It could seem like a ne never-ending cycle. It's just going to appear again. It's a thankless job. It can be discouraging. But as someone who's been transformed by the grace of the gospel, to, to try and see doing laundry as a way that our kids can see the, life of, the, the love of Christ in us. That this small sacrifice that we do can point us to the, the much bigger sacrifice that, that Christ paid.
paid for us. We can live in the grace of what God has done for us daily. It brings us new perspective, new thoughts, new loves. For those who are are born again, it truly gives us new life. There was a famous Christian uh, sociologist called Robert Woodbury, and he did a a five-year-long study on the impact of evangelicals on a country's uh, political but also uh, economic growth. And he came to the conclusion that it was specifically in countries where people were born again that the country saw the most growth. Being born again, having this new spiritual birth, it, it, it changed people and it changes the way they live. They no longer looked to themselves but looked to others. For those in Christ, we can be grateful for what God has done in our hearts through Christ, thankful every day for the gospel. So to be born again, this is a work of God. But Jesus gives us clear indication that even though this is a work of God, to be born again, we must look to Jesus and believe in him. Verses 9 to 15, Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. We see our our third truly, truly there from Jesus where Jesus tells Nicodemus, truly, truly, you do not receive my testimony. Right now, Nicodemus, you are rejecting me. You are choosing to not receive me. But that doesn't have to be the case. There's hope for you. Right now, Nicodemus, you are rejecting me, but you can repent and trust in me. Jesus makes allusion to the story that happens in Numbers 21 where in Israel there was a group of people that were grumbling against God, complaining against him, not trusting in him. God sent these these poisonous serpents who came and bit many Israelites and many died. But God told Moses, make this bronze serpent, lift it up, And for those who have been bitten by these deadly poisonous snakes, if they look up and see this bronze serpent, they will live. Jesus is telling Nicodemus, just like the Israelites, all they had to do was look up and see this bronze serpent. Whoever looks up at me will be saved. Jesus gives a hint that one day he was going to be lifted up and crucified but also lifted up and and exalted and glorified. Jesus is saying, I'm going to die for you. I'm going to pay the price you deserve. I'm going to do the work so that you don't have to. And Nicodemus, because of who I am, because of what I'm about to accomplish, to be born again, to receive this new life, you must repent and believe in me. You must repent of doing things your own way Repent of your sins against God and believe in me. 
This is the same call that Jesus makes to us this morning. Unless one is born again, he cannot see God's kingdom. This is a big unless. There's no working around it. There's no loopholes. That's not something we can earn, not something we can work really hard at, not something we can try, try and improve on. Jesus already did all the work on the cross and by rising again. All we have to do is look to this risen Jesus. All we have to do is look up to Jesus, stop looking to ourselves, but to repent of ourselves in our own way and look up to Jesus. Repent and believe in him who was sent by God to accomplish the saving work of, of new birth, new life. If you are in Christ this morning, you have this spiritual birth, you have repented of looking to yourself and trusted in Jesus. God has given you this new life. Walk in it. Allow Christ to continue to change you and grow you, to stop looking to yourself, but to look up to him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the new life that is only possible because of what you accomplished by sending your son Jesus to die for us and to rise again. Thank you, God, that this is not anything we can do. It's not about earning our way, not about the pressure of, of trying to do things on our own, and worrying, wondering if we've done enough, but all because of what you have done. Help us, God, to look to you, to look up to Jesus. And Lord, if there are any here this morning who have not received this spiritual birth, Lord, we ask that you save them. We ask that they will humble themselves, repent of their own way, and look up to Jesus and believe in him. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.